Welcome to The Doctor Diaries, a podcast which will take you behind the scenes of the intriguing medical world. Join me, Hanya Rothersby, an experienced business consultant in the medical sphere, as I chat to our guests who will take us through their insights, experiences and ideas as an expert, thought leader and trailblazer in this exciting medical world. Welcome to the Dr. Diaries podcast. Today, it's our pleasure to be here at the Non-Surgical Symposium in the Gold Coast in Australia, speaking to the amazing Dr. Robin Sifferstein. Robin is a dermatologist with a dermatology practice in Florida, USA. Uh, She's passionate about cosmetic dermatology and practice management, which I'd love to explore today, especially considering what I do for a living. But welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So Robin, um, it's so lovely you've been brought out all the way from the US for this conference and we're still excited to see people in person, which is great. So as we do with this podcast, tell me, how did your journey begin? That's a good question. So I had no idea I was going to go into this field. I always loved math and science, um, and I also wanted to be an artist growing up. But I had a very smart mother who told me that um, it was important to get my degree and my education and that it could be a hobby and see where it took me. So um, because of the math and science, I decided I tried a bunch of different things, research, and then I love working with people, so I decided to become a physician. And as I was doing dermatology, I started out with surgical dermatology um, and wound up realizing that with my love of art, it was perfect combination for cosmetic dermatologists. It wasn't like I was working. Um, I was just creating beautiful canvases every day on my patients. And the saying is true. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yes, that is a true saying. But interesting that you say there's that synergy between art and um, your medical practice, especially in the cosmetic field. Uh, Many of your um, colleagues, uh, dermatologists, plastic surgeons, aesthetic physicians, say that, that they do have that artistic side to them and they can lend that eye to that cosmetic side. What is your art medium, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, everything. I started out with ceramic, uh, 3D form, and then went on to glass making, uh, slumping into the ceramic form, and now I do 3D canvas. So a lot of varied things, and it's fun. I used to crave it, and I actually would sell my artwork to make money when I was in med school. Um, but now that I do it every day, I don't have that craving as much as I, I used to. Oh, Because I, I, I feel like I get to do it every day as I'm sculpting my patients. Yeah, you're so. actually sculpting the live human form, which is yeah. beautiful. I, I, the pa- fact that patients entrust me with their face is, uh, I think, an honor. Yeah, absolutely. So in your practice, what is the um, key modalities that you work in? Mostly injectables and lasers. So um, both injectable hyaluronic acid fillers and neuromodulators um, we use. And then I love my devices. So (laughs) um, it's probably the most expensive thing I've ever bought and um, outright at least. 
and uh, I say instead of buying shoes and pocketbooks, I buy lasers. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, and that's good to hear from for a dermatologist to do that. Yes. So um, now you started your practice back in two thousand and eight. Is that right? Yes, um, I have to go back. Well. I started practicing dermatology in 2008. I worked uh, somewhere else for two years and then I decided based on the culture that I wanted to have my practice in that I needed to start my own. So um, in 2010, I started my own practice by myself and here 13 years later, we have 11 board certified uh, dermatologists, five nurse practitioners and PAs to laser techs, estheticians. So it's grown quite a bit. That's over fantastic. Here. Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. You. And which I suppose leads me into that part, other part of your practice, uh, your passion is that practice management. So yes. tell me, how, does, how do you play a part of that in your business? Well, actually I have to thank my husband a little bit for that. Um, I, you know, used to think that codifying like ideas about your practice and putting everything in writing was a waste of time. And I thought that, you know, everybody would see how I was acting and that they would know how I wanted to treat patients. And, you know, actually when I first started and opened my first patient wasn't actually a patient to begin with. She came in looking for a dental office and I said, I'm sorry, but this isn't the right place. And instead of just, you know, going on my way, we were busy unpacking. We had just finished uh, putting up our first computer. I said, you know what, tell me what address and I can print out directions to get you where you need to go. And that patient was so impressed with how we treated her when she wasn't a patient that she later called back and made an appointment for herself and her whole family. And, you know, everybody around me that I was starting with got to see that that was the culture that I wanted to grow. But as we scaled, it became a lot tougher. And I realized uh, through talking through with my husband that not everybody was able to see me and interact with me in my practice anymore. We're over 100 people now and that I really needed to kind of get our core values kind of well <laughs> um, written out and understood by all and what, you know, really what we're about. And I also had to make some really hard changes. Um, one of the first changes was getting rid of what we call the bad apples, which was so hard for me. Um, I, we had one person in particular I can remember very vividly come to work every day, did her job, but she just was so negative and did not want to go the extra step. Um, in fact, we were doing a team building and uh, it's called Habitat for Humanity where we build houses for those who don't have. And we were all excited and in front of me, the owner, she was like, oh, but it's a Saturday, I really don't, and I'm like, you don't have to go, but like, this is exciting, and if you don't get it, and you don't have that genuine passion to help others, and to please others, and to go the extra mile, like, this just might not be the right fit for you, so that was kind of a turning point when I realized how important um, our core values were, and how important it was to make sure that you know, they're not for everybody, but um, thankfully over the years we've created a great team. Oh, fantastic. Well, congratulations. And Thank you. that's music to my ears as a business advisor and consultant. Obviously, that's where I start with all clients in just, you know, establishing that vision, the mission and the core values, which you've you've got all organized. Well done, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Who is standing in the room, smiling and beaming, <laughs> which is great. Um, interestingly though your practice has grown with clinicians as well so how do you 
you would have, you know, with you as a clinician plus a business owner, um, there's that fine balance on how do you manage your peers and how do you bring them into what clinically you want to happen in your business? I mean, it's very difficult. I've definitely hired people who were the wrong fit and learned the hard way. Um, but acknowledging that early on and making sure, um, we had one doctor coming from up north and he said, look, I'm used to practicing in a mill and seeing all these patients per hour, but I want to change and I want to come down and retire and I want to practice in a practice like yours. And I was checking out one of my patients one day after he joined us and one of his patients came to check out and said, he was in a wheelchair and he said, I need to schedule another appointment for a biopsy. And I turned to him and I said, sir, would you just like to have the biopsy right now? And he said, that would make my life so much easier. I have to get transport to come here. And I brought him back in the room and I took care of him and he was on his way. And then I met the doctor for lunch and I just said, I just don't think we're the right cultural fit. And, and he said, I guess you can't teach old dog new tricks and acknowledged it. Um, but I, I think once you get, you know, the majority of people on board, it just, it brings, it elevates everybody together and everybody wants to give that high quality of care that's with me. And the people who are now interviewing kind of know our practice for that. And so it helps bring other like-minded people to our practice it makes it a lot easier when you're starting out with a bunch of people who believe in similar values to you. So I'm very blessed that that's, I wasn't always there. (laughs) (laughs) It took a while to get there. It takes a long time and patience and, and knowing, you know, you can't just keep people just because you need people yet. They have to be the right fit. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I will come down to that work-life balance, but I'm going to make an assumption that a lot of your time (laughs) is spent at work. Yes, we're getting odds all around. So I kind of think it's impossible for to have the work-life balance and I started to do work-life integration so Uh, that's a great way I'm saying it for instance this trip is my vacation with my husband but it's also working obviously conference learning at the same time I get to you know read and stuff but um, I've started to bring my family with me when I travel and talk and have a day with them and they get to kind of meet the people I work with and that way I don't miss out on a whole weekend of either just work or a whole weekend of just kids that it kind of my whole life is integrated and I think they see you know how hard I work for things and I can kind of be a role model in that sense and I I wouldn't want them to miss that part of me and just kind of separate and have the two because then they're kind of not seeing all of me and, and that's yeah, something that's important. I agree and I think there's a lot of role modeling going on without you even realizing which is beautiful. Now let's have a chat about your dermatology practice. So when it first started it was quite small and it was uh, just me and uh, my parents helping me <laughs> <laughs> answering the phone and check out. <laughs> so tell me how have you seen the the dermatology practice that you created? How has it evolved and how is it changing and where do you think it's going? That's a good question. I mean, I was just focused on giving the best patient care and it organically grew. It wasn't intentional on my point part. I wasn't aspiring to do it, so I don't have much aspirations. I just 
day-to-day kind of keep my head down and try to treat the patients the best we can. Um, Over the years, I have brought on two partners because it has gotten much larger, so it's a little more difficult for me to do by myself. Um, But we have two practice locations at this point, and um, we think we're going to kind of continue to fill. Thankfully, we have almost a 1,000 new patients every month. (gasps) So at a certain point, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to, and we're, we have about one or two people join us a year. We we're just we're always interviewing because we always we don't want to ever be forced to hire somebody because we need somebody. We want to be able to pick the best people, and usually the best people are willing to wait. Although we always thankfully have openings, we kind of just wait till we find the right person. And the same thing is with front desk staff medical assistance when you just hire bodies for that sake it just it's never a good thing so we're constantly interviewing we constantly kind of have people in you know getting ready to kind of come on board um, when it's perfect time and we have the patient need and demands um, when it will stop is a good question. <laughs> we are getting close to maximizing out we have um, 15,000 square feet total. Um, between the two offices and so we're going to have to make the decision in the next year or two whether we're going to expand beyond that but um, I guess only time will tell if we find another partner who has a little more energy (laughs) than we do or as I say bandwidth can only uh, yes go so far without burning out so. oh well it's obviously it's, it's a good thing because you're, you're talking with a big smile on your face and, which means it's all going well Well, Robin, now we've got to the part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you a series of rapid-fire questions. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And it's really... (laughs) Well, the first one is, what business decision did you make that if you had your time again, you would handle differently? Um, Tough question. Um, I think actually before I started my own practice in going to work for somebody else first, (laughs) knowing my personality and how much it's important to me to give good patient care. So a lot of things right now are owned by private equity. I'm sure you know Mm. the scene. Um, And unfortunately, when you're in that situation, the motivation is financial. Whereas from a doctor perspective, perspective, my motivation is always giving the best patient care. So that decision early on to go and work um, and not build my own practice right away was probably, while it is one thing I would have done differently, it also taught me a tremendous amount. So I think we are our good and bad experiences together. And so I can't sit here and say wouldn't be who I was without that but yeah and so true you learn from the hard knocks or the mistakes you see being made and those sorts of things so yeah I agree good and bad who inspires you so I think uh, I always thought I might be an inventor when I grew up and people like Thomas Edison um, and you know people who just if you read about his life he would try thousands and thousands of different things before he found the right answer and he would never give up and so I kind of have that personality where I love to do research and whatever it takes to find the next thing I mean there's just so much in life that's yet undiscovered 
And I think that's one of the um, revelations, excuse me, that when you're younger, you think everything's figured out and that adults know everything. And then as you get older and more mature, you realize, oh, wait, you know, my parents, they, they don't know everything. <laughs> and then you go further and you're like, you know, what, my teachers, you know, and, and actually the textbooks and, you know, even the best research scientists, there's just, there's so much we don't know. And that excites me. Mm. Um, and so the second part of my career, I see myself kind of, Focusing because like sometimes it's frustrating not being able to give patients, you know what they need and we only have technology that goes so far so kind of the second part of my career I see myself going into more research and um, Creating some new answers for the patients that mm. we don't quite have yet very exciting and Listening to the size of your practice and potentially with the growth There's an opportunity to do that sort of research in a private setting especially with the amount of patients you would have on your database yes. previously <laughs> and coming, that would be very exciting. I would like, I'm going to look forward to seeing what comes out of that. Um, words of wisdom to your younger self? Um, I think to be more patient. <laughs> we always, you know, graduate and want everything right away and think things are just taking too much time. But in looking back, I think things come to you at the right time. And, you know, if they're not coming, then it's not the right time for you. And mm. um, there's a reason and you need to learn more and you need to be at a different part of your life to get there. So I, I think that is a constant lesson that I'm trying to teach myself is, is patience because that's not easy one for me. <laughs> no, and it's very good advice. I know, in, you know, all of us at that younger phase, we just want to get there straight away. But yeah that patience is we have many years to figure it out and to work on getting better and better and all in due time yeah <laughs> well done well wise words Lynn. um so robin thank you so much for being on the dr diaries podcast i have forgotten to ask you the name of your clinic Superstein Dermatology. Ah, fantastic. We'll put that in the episode notes. Thank you so much for your time today and I look forward to seeing you for the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Doctor Diaries. You can find out more about our amazing guests on our website, hanyarovesby.com.au or join our Instagram page, Dr. Diaries Podcast, to find out more about our podcasts. We look forward to you joining us again.